Hello, and welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. Online marketing expert, Lindsay Anderson, known internationally as One Click Lindsay, and her dedicated online marketing specialists at trafficandleads.com know that today's growing businesses thrive on targeted website traffic that converts into leads with just one click. Whether your business is struggling right now or your thriving business needs even more fuel for growth, you've come to the right place. So sit back and get ready to learn how to grow your business one click at a time. Please welcome your host of the Traffic and Leads podcast, One Click Lindsay. Hey everybody, welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay, and on this episode today, we have a very very special guest. Let me tell you why he is so special. I am going to credit him with be with creating a word, which is content marketing. We say it a lot, and we all know what it is, and I think this guy actually invented it. We will ask him if I am correct when, when I let him come on, but let me tell you a little bit about our guest. His name is Joe Polizzi. He is the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, the leading education and training organization for content marketing, which includes the largest in-person content marketing event in the world, content marketing world. So Joe is the winner of the 2014 John Caldwell Lifetime Achievement Award from the Content Council, and Joe's fourth book, which he is here to talk to us about, is called Content Inc. So without further ado, let's welcome Joe to the program. Hi, Joe. Hi, Lindsay. And you always say that all your guests are special, so I don't know (laughs) how much I should... Okay, but I've never had a guest on that created a word or is known as the godfather of content marketing. Fair enough. Well, I don't. Well, thank you. I don't know if I could take credit for inventing the word. Other people had used it in close proximity to each other for for a for decades or so, but we probably did popularize it. So okay, so you will take credit for a little bit. We'll take credit for we'll we'll take credit. So everybody that hates that term, it's probably our fault. That we made it popular. So, well, we are here, Joe, to talk about your awesome book, Content Inc. How entrepreneurs use content to build massive audiences and create radically successful businesses. Joe, who is this book for? Who's this going to help? Lindsay, this is, it's really, really a book for entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses. That's the, like, if you are in that niche, this is, this book will help you. Now, if you're with a mid-sized company or a larger enterprise, you could use this as a rebel framework. So you can, if you're trying to build an audience inside a larger company, maybe launching a new product or service in some area, absolutely could use the Content Inc. model. But to be honest with you, Lindsay, I was thinking about, you know, somebody that was in my position when I launched the company in 2007, had minimal resources, trying to, you know, take a small business and grow it, have an idea, you know, what are you going to do? That's this is the book for them that we actually think I think, you know, we've sort of reverse engineered this model based on the back of dozens of other amazing case studies from all over the world that built an audience first. And then they went and launched products and services off the back of that audience and became multimillion dollar enterprises. So I'm super I I love that. I'm super excited about the concept. I love it because I think that any company of any size can use it and be successful. So how is it different than your other books? So this is my fourth book, as you know, and the first three books were all targeting enterprise marketers. So these are marketers and larger organizations, multiple silos, lots of politics, uh, lots of complex content marketing challenges. And I honestly didn't want to write another another book for enterprises. I wanted to fill a gap that I think that, by the way, lots of really good small business 
content marketing books out there, but I didn't think there was a model that a small business could say, look, I can take this model. I can follow the six steps. If I'm patient and I focus on a content niche that I actually have a fighter's chance of breaking through, I can be successful. So that's why I really love. And by the way, I mean, this, a lot of it is the story of how we built Content Marketing Institute. It's not all about us, but we use a lot of our own data and all of our own case studies and happenings in that. So this is probably the book that's the passion project for me that that I'm most uh, excited about. Now you did start, I think I heard you in an interview say you started thinking, ooh, I'm going to write a book about Content Marketing Institute and how we became so awesome. And then you realized... Nobody wants to hear about you, right? You did your homework, Lindsay. You absolutely <laughs> did. Yes, that was the first. Well, I'm thinking, so I have a personal goal that every two years I write a book. So I wrote Epic Content Marketing in 2013. And I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to write in 2015? And that's why I was like, oh, yeah, we could tell the story of how you know CMI went from nothing to growing into the fastest growing you know business media company in North America. And it's awesome and exciting. And then I remembered, remember, nobody cares about you, Joe. Nobody cares about CMI. <laughs> they care about their own needs. So that's when we went out and we interviewed, uh, which I'm so glad we did because we went out and interviewed all these really special companies. And then as we were trying to find a model, we actually realized that every one of them followed the same six steps. So Luckily, I didn't think like what most companies do is let's just, we just talk about ourselves and our own products and services went out and actually, I think we created something that's, it's a little bit different based on not just what we've done, but what, you know, multi-million dollar companies are doing all over the world. All right. So everyone's clamoring now. We want to know what the six steps are, or are you going to make us buy the book? Yeah, I think it's the end of the interview, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) (laughs) Just to talk about myself, which nobody cares about, right? Um, Yes. I will give you a little overview and then I'd be happy to go through any one of these uh, steps in more detail. But so, so basically there's a six step process. Every company that we talked to followed the same six steps, different timetables, but the same six steps. And the first two are all about creating a strategy because we don't go right out and start creating content. We have to build the strategy. The first step is a sweet spot. Sweet spot is the intersection between Let's say it's your passion as an individual or as a company. And if you don't have one, it could be a customer pain point that you're focusing on. That has to intersect with a knowledge or skill area that you have. Where do you have authority to communicate about a topic? That intersection is the sweet spot. Every company has a sweet spot, whether you know it or not. It probably wouldn't be hard to figure out that this is the story we have to tell around our products and services. And that's where so many companies go wrong because they just start communicating directly from their sweet spot and realize they have to go into step two, which is the most critical step of anything we'll talk about. And that's the content tilt. There is so much content competition out there. We have to find an area of little to no competition where we actually have a fighter's chance to break through all the clutter. That's where we do. That's what's called the content tilt. We actually have to tell a different story. So we have to look at our content to a different audience in a different way. That probably means you're only targeting one audience. If you target two audiences at one, multiple audiences at one time, you absolutely will not be relevant enough to cut through the clutter. So that's the one thing. And then you have to figure out How can I focus on a content niche that's small enough so when you actually ask the question, can we be the leading expert in the world at that particular niche, you have to say yes. Like It's possible if you do the work. If you just say, let's say you're a pet supplies company and you say, we're going to do a pet supplies blog. And you say, can you be the leading expert in the world on pet supplies? No, you can't. Not as a small business because Petco and PetSmart have multi-billion dollar uh, budgets against this and they will sink you to the ground. There's no way you can do it. But- If you found a niche like, how do I, uh, maybe it's pet supplies for pet owners 
specifically dog owners that like to travel with their dogs and recreational vehicles. Now we've got an audience niche. Now we've got a content niche that we can actually be the leading expert in something. And, uh, and that's where it makes all the difference. So the first two steps are important. That's a strategy. Sweet spot, content, tilt. You forgot in Southern Florida. Oh, okay. that was the other. No, that was. <laughs> God, you, you must have listened to like five of my interviews then. Because I'm mixing it all up here for you, Lindsay. I don't want to give everybody the same thing. I was going to make you tell that story about the pet, the pet yeah, people. Yeah, I know. That's, so a, that's, a, a, yeah, that's a specific story that we had when I was working with a pet supply company. And uh, they wanted to just do a pet supplies blog. And I said good luck, but you're not going to be successful. So we worked through that whole process about maybe that's a niche. You have higher margin products around, you know, people that like to travel with their pets. Let's focus on that area. Uh, and they didn't listen to a word I had to say, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> they but didn't. They did oh. not. No, they didn't. But there's actually a, re- a magazine out there called RVs and Dogs. Oh yeah. I'm totally not. a subscriber. Are no. you really? No. Because <laughs> that would be awesome if you were, because my aunt is. That's how I found out about it. My my aunt in Florida has a has a magazine called RVs and Dogs. I'm like, that's crazy. That's awesome. But that's but that's a great example of how niche we actually need to be. Well, let me uh, stop you at step two, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, so, please. As an entrepreneur, I used to run just a generic web development company and to like niche down to like something that niche, that sounds really scary. Do you run into business owners who are like kind of scared to do that, whether that's uh, blocking off potential clients that might come or, or, you know, whatever they're scared of, that sounds really scary. Yeah. Um, that's a big fear of small businesses and they don't want to do it. My answer is you can still sell whatever you want to whoever you want. We're talking about, this is your content marketing approach. This is how you're going to market. If some, and I talked to an agency, the other day and the agency was like, well, and I said, okay, well, what do you focus on? They said, well, we focus on financial services companies. We focus on government companies. We focus on healthcare. And I'm like, um, and they just had a general blog. And I'm like, there's no way that you can solve that customer's pain points because they're so different. A financial business is so different than a healthcare business is so different than a government business. And you're going to create one content approach for all those. Nobody's going to, you're, ne- you're never going to be relevant enough to cut through the clutter. It's just not going to work. So you focus on one as your content approach. Now, let's say you focus on financial services. Well, that's fine. That's your content approach. Your website can still say that you sell whatever to whoever, but this is how you're going to build your platform on the side that's going to draw in those specific financial services. Then let's say that's successful. Then you can launch the one for healthcare. Then you can launch the one for, for government. I mean, if you look at something like, and I'm sure you've heard this example before, but look at something like Huffington Post, right? Huffington Post started with one blog with a very particular point of view, very particular content niche. That's what they were successful in that area. Then they launched the second one. Then they launched the third one. Now they've got 250 and they're worth more than a billion dollars. But it took them, they started with one at a time. So we've got to focus on one at a time. You can still take business from wherever, but you've got to be specific enough in your approach to, to cut through. Now, if you decide to say, look, we want to target three or four audiences and three or four niches and we want to do it at the same time, I would say, Yes, you can do it, but you won't be successful. Wow. Well, you're you're pretty adamant about that. So when you come up with, so like, let's say you have a general company and then you come up with this super almighty niche. So do you start a new social media stuff for all the, for that niche or does it, you keep it under your current company? Do you have a rule for that? You may or, no, you, it, I've seen it work both ways. You may or may not. You, okay. you may or, I would say at the start, you don't, you keep your social media channels as they are. You focus on your key Let's say it's a blog or it's a podcast or it's a video series that's focused on that particular audience. 
And you'll you'll learn quickly whether or not you need, a, like, say, a new Twitter account or something like that. I always like to err on the side of not creating any more social channels. <laughs> Amen. Because okay. nobody needs more social channels. <laughs> and the other thing is, is that, and this is my take, and you know it regarding you know, subscribership and building an audience is you don't own any of those connections. You can't control any of those connections. So even if you got to, you know, millions of followers on Twitter and that channel, Twitter could change the rules tomorrow and not give you access to any of those followers like Facebook did. And we know what Facebook did. They changed their algorithm. They said, hey, you can communicate with all your fans, but no, now you can't because we want to make money. Twitter's going to do the same thing. LinkedIn's already doing the same thing. YouTube will show, even if somebody subscribes to your videos, they might say, well, I don't like the engagement on that video. Even though that person subscribed, I'm going to show a Jimmy Fallon video. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They can absolutely do it. It's under their control. You can't you can't be upset about it. That's just the way it is. Right. So I would say minimal, minimal to those channels at first. And if you really feel in order to keep that story straight, you need to add a different channel. Then you okay. do that at a later point. All right. So step three, carry on. Step three. Now we're, you know, we got the strategy. Now we're going to build the base. So building the base is a very simple model. It's worked for hundreds of years with media companies, and it worked for in every single case with every one of the case studies that we talked to. It's four steps. The first step is you focus for the most part on one content type. Is it audio? Is it video? Is it textual? Then you go to the platform. Is it my blog or website? Is it iTunes? Is it YouTube? Then you go to consistent delivery. When I say consistent, that means if, Lindsay, you want to do three blog posts a week, I would say, no, you're not doing three blog posts a week. You're doing one delivered on Monday at 9.30, one delivered on Wednesday at 9.30, and one delivered on Friday at 9.30. Like clockwork, that's a promise to your customers, and that's what media companies have done so well. It's the consistency. And I would honestly say, if you say, where's the biggest failing for most small businesses, I would say it's probably not in quality of content, even though that's a big issue. It's probably in consistency. So we've got to make sure that are you being consistent? That's the third step, part of the building of the base. And the fourth is patience. What we see is it takes time to build a loyal audience. It takes takes time to build a relationship. You have to make sure that do you have between nine and 20 months? The average is about 15 to 17 months until we really can make see monetization. Like you can really see revenue coming directly from your audience and you can shortcut it by all means. I mean, you can do things. I'm sure Lindsay, you've had guests on and you do it yourself where you can convert more leads, more traffic, those types of things. But if you're really trying to build an audience asset for the long term, you've got to make sure you don't try to extract value too soon out of that where you're really trying to sell them, really trying to get the lead. What we want to do is we want to build them as a loyal subscriber first and then take our leads from the subscriber base instead of going out and getting leads and not building an audience. Okay, I have two questions on that before you sure. carry on. Yeah. Number one, so here's Joe and he's going to start Content Marketing Institute. You said you had like no assets, you had no money, you had nothing, okay? Yep. So all of a sudden we're business owners in that same situation and you're telling us that we need to sit for 19, did you say nine to 12 months? Nine, nine, on average in the book, it took 15 to 17 months to get to oh. significant monetization. Okay. Now, so what am I supposed to be doing? Like now how that am doesn't, I living? That doesn't mean you're not driving revenue. It doesn't, I mean, this is a different marketing approach. You're still doing all the same things that you may have been doing before. Maybe you're still doing search engine marketing. Maybe you're still buying keywords. Maybe you're still doing promotion. You're still doing advertising to drop, you know, to get uh, attention towards your content, whatever the case is. I'm talking about building a long-term asset okay. and you're focused on building an audience over that time. So 
of the example of ours, you know, I did a lot of consulting. I did, you know, I did a lot of referrals. I got a lot of business, a lot of different ways. And so basically, if you're going to do this, I would be prepared to still get all the business you have because you're not going to stop doing anything else. I hope like if things are, if advertising's working for you, keep doing it. It's not content marketing versus anything else. You want to keep doing all the things you're doing. What you're doing is for the long term, you're going to say, look, we know one thing that once we build an audience that knows, likes, and trusts us, they're going to be more likely to buy from us in the future. Content Inc. businesses grow much faster than regular businesses. That's what we found in the book. So if you can get to that level and build that base over time, you'll be much more successful. But don't don't just go out and say, oh, okay, good. I got traffic to the blog. Instead of driving the leads, your products and services, I want you to drive and build a subscriber base. Get them subscribed to your email uh, newsletter instead of just saying, sell, sell, sell. I would hold off if you can. Now, Lindsay, if you're telling me that you need to put food on the table right now, in order this to probably do, isn't the approach for you, right? I probably would say still buy <laughs> advertising or it's fine. I mean, if you want to try it, I'm just saying that that's not we've, what we've seen as successful. What we saw as successful is companies like a Brian Clark who did other, you know, other things and made the bill, had the bills paid through consulting and whatnot. He blogged for 19 months in a row. And now today he's the, one of the fastest growing software as a service companies on the planet. Well, what did he do? He built an audience of over 100,000 subscribers over 19 months. And then he decided now's the time. So what I would do is pick a number, right? Pick a number, what Brian Clark calls a minimum viable audience. That could be 1,000 subscribers or 5,000 subscribers. And just say, look, all I'm going to do is focus on building an audience over this time until I get to 5,000 subscribers. And once I get there, then I will start to sell them something. And that'll just keep you so focused on the audience's needs. Okay. So are you, um, and maybe you'll cover this, but what is the, and I don't know if this is your specialty, but what is the best way to get them to opt in that you have found? Um, so it actually goes right into the next step. So the next step, the next step is, so after building the base, now we, you know, along with building the base, we need to harvest the audience. It's all about email subscribers at this point. It's the key to making everything work. If we, we want, of course, I love all those social media connections you were talking about. I want that those to happen but I don't control any of those. We want to make sure we get them to subscribe to email. That means that if we get them to our site, let's say we get them to our blog, we don't want to necessarily put, and this is where you've got to have a balance. I don't know if I necessarily want to put a product or service in front of them. What I want them to do is sign up and be a, an audience member. I want them to be a subscriber. So that means you need two really amazing things to make that happen. One you need an amazing newsletter that's going to cut through all the clutter of all the crap newsletters out there because there's a lot of them, right? You and I get mm-hmm. a ton every day. Painful. We In the morning, we go through all our deletion process where we're getting rid of all these things. You have to be one of the e-newsletters to your audience that they don't delete. That's that good. So you really need to take an honest look at your email newsletters that you're sending out. The second thing is you need some piece of high quality download or deliverable that they're going to want to exchange their real information, their real email address to give you to sign up to your email newsletter. That could be a research report. That could be an ebook, could be a book, could be a video series, whatever the template, whatever the case is, you've got to give them something so they want it. They will give you an exchange of information. And I'm, to be honest, even though I don't like them as a consumer, I love uh, pop-ups and popovers. Well, not pop-ups, I say popovers now because they work and they work for us. About 65% of our daily signups, we get about 180 subscribers a day and about 65% of those come through a popover form. If you don't want to use a popover of some kind, 
then I would use, make sure that all your calls to action at the upper right-hand side or at the bottom of your articles are subscribed to something valuable, not just subscribe to my email. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants another email. Subscribe to this email named whatever it is and get the latest whatever. And the only place you're going to get it told in this particular way and really set it up that it's something really unique and different. It's going to help them with their lives in some way. Okay. So have you noticed that like the whole free report, download this PDF thing now is getting a whole lot harder to get subscribers or is it just because people aren't being niched enough? And so the, that general information they're trying to give away as a PDF is already found out on the interwebs. No, I actually, I haven't seen any, I mean, we've been, so we've been using popovers for about three years now. Mm-hmm. And I, we haven't seen a downturn at all. It's been pretty darn consistent. And you're giving away a PDF is like the free report. We're giving an ebook, ebook, e-book, e-book away. Yeah. E-book a PDF. Yeah. PDF ebook. That's all right. And we switch it up. We've got, you know, we'll switch it up from time to time to test and see what happens. And, and honestly, to what we really want is we want them to opt in even regardless if we give them something, right? We want them to see that our content is so valuable. And that's why I love our, like our magazine chief content officer. Like people will ask me all the time, like, why do you have a print magazine in today's age? And I would say, because people are willing to give up so much information to get a free magazine that's relevant to them. Like wow. we get more data. The, the people will give us ev- like every piece of data that you could possibly think that you would want on your customers. People give us for free just to sign up to our magazine. It's wow. unbelievable to me. So we have different types of downloads that we make available. But to your point, the key is, is it something that's valuable? They're going to want to get signed up for. I mean, the last thing we want, we want to follow that through the buyer's journey. If people just sign up to the popover and then never open our e-newsletters and never did anything, then it's not working for us. It's not going to work for the business. But what we find out is, is those people that sign up through those popovers, through those other right-hand rail opportunities, they end up being some of our best customers. So that's what, that's really, you want to follow it through however long your sales process is, you want to follow it through. Awesome. Okay, carry on with your steps. What step are we on? Step I, five. Yes. Yeah, so we built the base. Then we harvest the audience. We focus on email subscribers. Then we diversify. Now that we've built a minimum viable audience, we've got a platform we're building. We're doing what we need to do. We're consistently publishing it. Now you want to extend your reach. Now, why do you want to extend your reach through something like, like we do? I mean, so first 24 months, all we did at Content Marketing Institute was blog. Then we launched the event, Content Marketing World. Then we launched the podcast, This Soul Marketing. Then we launched the magazine, Chief Content Officer. We launched those things secondarily because what we know is, and this is a media model. I come from media. This is a basic media model. Once you have more people subscribe to different things that you provide them, they become stickier as an as audience members. It's just a natural thing. And publishing, we know that. We don't just want them to subscribe to our e-newsletter. We want them to subscribe to our webinar series. We want them to subscribe to our magazine. Why? Because they become better customers. And that's what we found out. And our magic number might not be yours. It might not be somebody listening to this, but our magic number is three subscriptions. So we know that if our audience subscribes to at least three different things, our email newsletter, our podcast, our uh, magazine, uh, whatever the case is, they become much more profitable for us. They become, they spend more money with us. Wow. So, so that's where we really focus on diversification as a key. And I talk about, you know, being the octopus and wrapping your, you know, your customers in content love, all eight arms of content love. That's what we want. And this is just basic meat. And look at New York Times, Huffington Post. Look at ESPN, right? ESPN just started with SportsCenter, cable television. That's all they had. Then they had that audience. Then they launched the SB Awards. Then they launched launched ESPN.com. Then they launched ESPN Radio and on and on and 10 other things. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's sense. that's what we need to do. So fi- the fifth step is diversification. Okay. And then the last step, and we were talking about it already, is monetization. The, I mean, as a smart business, you want to think from day one, you should be thinking all the time, how am I going to make money from this? The reason why monetization is the sixth step is usually you have to go through the majority of this process to get people to pay for something from you. It takes time to build that relationship. So there's nine different ways to monetize your content. You could be doing sponsorship or advertising or paid events like we do. You could be doing it because you want to sell products and services like a copy blogger does. It could be through you want new more data so that you can launch new products and services. That's what Craft Recipes does. Um, and on and on and on. Paid, paid content on the site, training, lots of different ways to do it. Consulting services. Maybe you want to keep your customers more loyal, like a John Deere does with the Furrow magazine. That's what their goal is. So whatever the case is, that's where you want to monetize. We just know that you have to build that relationship first before you go and extract that value. Now, it's it doesn't always work the same for everyone. That's why we talk about the time, uh, that nine to 20 month mark, that average of, of 15 months or so. Hopefully, what we're hoping for, Lindsay, is because people know that this model exists, maybe it won't take them as long because every one of the case studies we asked and communicated this with and figured out that there is this model and they all did the same things. They all like stumbled into it. It was, it was almost all a happy accident. They just did it because they thought it made sense. Well, what if we had this model and we actually knew what we were doing and we said, okay, let's, here's the steps. Let's just do them. I think that we can lower the time to monetization. So that's what I'm hoping for. Awesome. Okay. So I have three minutes left with you. What do I insource or can I outsource this? Is this something that has to come from like me and my my passion and my heart and 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 where do I start? I'm guessing I start by buying your book, Content Eat. <laughs> well, you probably, if you want just the free chapter and the whole synopsis, just go to content-inc.com and, okay. and you can get it there. But um, so insource or outsource. Most of the examples are insourced and they move to outsource. Okay. So you have one person because it's usually just an entrepreneur doing the blog, doing the podcast, and then they get to a point where they can manage the process and outsource a ton of it. In larger companies, if you're, a, if you're an existing company, you could say, look, we're going to create the strategy inside and outsource the rest. I've seen that work in many mid-sized companies, and they work just fine doing that as long as the strategy stays internal. Uh, but to be honest, in almost every case study that we've seen, it at least starts with somebody inside of the company being the content champion. And then once you start building that audience, you can start to outsource and bring different writers in. Like, for example, with us, we've got about 100 different writers for Content Marketing Institute. At first, it was just me. I was blogging three times a week. That's all I was doing. Blog, blog, blog. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm at the point where I blog about once every two weeks. And everyone else in the community blogs on our platform. And we've got lots of other things that we're doing. So yes, it's probably for a small business and probably should start with you or somebody you know that you could work with that understands the content tilt that you're going after. But for a mid-sized business, you could absolutely outsource. Outsource as much as you can, whenever you can, as long as it makes sense. And content tilt is going to be like the next phrase sweeping the marketing world, right? I don't know. I like it. Do you I like, like it? it too. I really you? like it. Uh, yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> Claire McDermott, who did a lot of the interviews, and she's our editor for Chief Content Officer Magazine. We sort of batted it around and said, that makes sense. And and I came up with that idea because I'm a big Matrix fan. And yeah. I just read the part where Neo's in and with with the other possibles for being the one. And you have the, the, one, the one little kid, little bald kid that was bending the spoon. <laughs> And he basically, and Neo got it when he tilted his head. 
And when he looked at the spoon, the spoon tilted in it. And I'm like, that's it. We have to look at that content niche and we just have to tilt our heads enough to see it in a different way and to tell a different story. And that's why I fell in love with that term. That's a beautiful way to end this interview, Joe. Tell us how to find you and whatever uh, action steps you need us to take. Oh, yeah. So contentmarketinginstitute.com is the business site. The The book is content-inc.com. There is a free ebook and you don't even have to sign up for anything. It's totally ungated, a totally ungated free chapter that if you like it enough and you want to uh, you know, get more information, there's like eight or 10 different ways, you can, places you can buy it. You can find it on content-inc.com and then personally, I'm at Joe Polizzi on Twitter. So if you ever want to ping me and hopefully tell me you like the book, and even if you don't, I'd, Let like, him know. I'd like to hear from you as well and try to convince you. That's at Joe Polizzi on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. Until next time, I'm One Click Lindsay from trafficandleads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. You've been listening to the Traffic and Leads podcast, featuring online marketing expert One Click Lindsay. Tune in each week to experience Lindsay's unique gift for helping entrepreneurs and small business owners accelerate the growth of their business by strategically getting them more traffic and powerful leads. To make sure you don't miss a single business building show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and OneClickLindsay.com. If you know someone who would benefit from more traffic and leads, please tell them about the Traffic and Leads podcast. And finally, to learn more about working with Lindsay and her dedicated team of marketing experts, please visit OneClickLindsay.com. Now go and implement what you've learned, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. And remember, the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.